Anyway, let's have a word of prayer as we begin. Lord, we uh, thank you that we can be here today. And, and Lord, just a wonderful time of celebration where we just celebrate all that you're doing in our lives, all that you've done. And Lord, we just pray for those who are unable to be here, uh, whether traveling or sickness or whatever it might be. We just pray that your hand be upon them. We, we uh, just also lift up uh, some that are going to be going through treatment. We just pray that you'll be with them. But, but right now, I just pray that our attention can be on your word today and that our hearts are open for what you have for us. And we just give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, I guess before we start, I got some of these, you guys have sent me some of this stuff, but uh, they probably ought to have that for most of the road work, I think. Uh, oh, let's go back. This is from uh, Jason. Uh, if you notice, the expiration says February 30th. Or it's never good, I guess. And I didn't know if uh, Jeff wanted to use that for the new business or anything, you know. That's computer acupuncture, I think it's probably more of a hammer than acupuncture. But. And then just look at that 10% uh, satisfaction guaranteed. Um, well, that's true. That's not too far from flipping either. That's true. So, so anyway, we're continuing a series on on First uh, Thessalonians and talking about a mighty church. And last week we talked about chapter one, and I think I told you to read chapter two for this week. So, how many read chapter two? How many knows there knows there's at least two chapters in First Thessalonians? Anyway, we're going to do not only chapter two but some of chapter three today. But if you go to the Greek islands which uh, probably you don't want to go right now. But you can visit the, the home of Hippocrates, the father of modern medicine. And in that area, you can find an olive tree that he supposedly planted 2,400 years ago. So what's interesting is the trunk of the tree is really large, but there's not much to it. It's almost completely hollow now. And... It's just got like thick bark instead of having the insides. And there's a few strangling branches that go out of it. But a lot of times they've had to support it with poles to kind of keep it there just so it's a historical landmark or something now. But every now and then there will be an occasional leaf that takes place that might grow there. And every now and then it will actually produce an olive. Now in the fields around this, this big tree, are a lot of younger ones, and there's these groves of olive trees there. And their trunk isn't very big, but they're covered with a thick canopy of leaves, and they have bunches of olives that grow all the time. And so you can still call that olive tree of Hippocrates an olive tree, technically speaking. I mean, it still shows the essential unique characteristics but it really has ceased to function for what it was supposed to be of producing a great bunch of olives. Now what's interesting is tourists will, will go there and to see this ancient tree and uh, what they notice is it's not doing much. It's just sitting there, you know. And I'm going to compare that with there's a lot of churches that are kind of like the tree of Hippocrates today. 
um, they've stopped bearing fruit, and they're satisfied with who they are, whether they're just a, a big church or they have a great history, and the people seem to be content, but they're not functioning as Christ would want them to function. Now, as we look at Thessalonians, that was not the church in Thessalonica. They were an active church. Last Sunday, we started some of it on it, and uh, I'm sure they had problems in the church, but they were also a mighty church because they kept trying to do stuff. Chapter 1, Paul praised them for being an energetic church. He talked about them being an elect church, an evangelistic church, an expectant church. Does any of that ring a bell last week? You know, everything started with the letter E. Okay, um, as we continue in chapters 2 and 3, we discover that there's a few more marks of a mighty church. And we see that a mighty church, according to Second Thessalonians, is a scriptural church. Which reminds me of a story. I have lots of stories today. It's been a good week, right? There was a, a new minister, and he just started at the church. And the uh, Sunday school teacher who was teaching a boys' Sunday school class couldn't be there. And so he said, I'll fill in for him because he goes, I'd kind of like to know what the boys know anyway. And so he uh, gets to this class, uh, Sunday school class of these boys, these elementary school boys, and, and he asked them the question, he said, who knocked down the walls of Jericho? Well, all the boys, they denied having doing it. But this pastor was appalled that they didn't know. So he says, i got to take this up to the deacon board here, see what's going on. And so at the meeting, he tells the, his experience, and he, he tells the deacons, he says, not one of those boys knows who knocked down the walls of Jericho. And the group was kind of silent until one of them. So he said, let's just take some money out of our fund and fix the walls and just go on. Now, that's probably a church that needs to spend a little more time in their Bibles. Now, on the other hand, the Apostle Paul praises the Christians at Thessalonica. He says in verse 13, he says, We never stop thanking God that when you received His message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very Word of God, which of course it is. And this Word continues to work in you who believe. And so we see that this church was built on God's Word. They accepted the apostles' teaching, which was the very Word of God, the foundation of their faith and practices. In other words, this church was a scriptural church. Now, as Bible-believing Christians, we continue to follow in their footsteps. How many have ever read the Statement of Faith of Kersey Community Church? Anyway, we have a bunch of different things, but I want to read one part of our Statement of Faith. And it says, We believe the Bible is the Word of God, fully inspired and without error in the original manuscripts, written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe here. And if we want to be a mighty church, our beliefs, our worship, 
our traditions must all be tethered to the Scriptures. But you'll notice that the Thessalonians didn't just accept God's Word. They applied it to their lives. Paul said that the Word continues to work in the lives of the believers. So Paul knew that God's words were not just sermons or documents, but it was a real source of transforming power. Now, how many of you are familiar with the story of the mutiny on the bounty? Come on, Don, raise your hand. Okay. He's our historian. Wow. <clears throat> anyway, the English ship Bounty, commanded by William Bly, was journeying to the South Pacific in 1787. So many sailors signed on considering the voyage trip was to paradise. And the Bounty stayed in Tahiti for six months And the crew enjoyed the paradise to the fullest. But when it came time to return home, the crew staged a mutiny. Probably the most famous mutiny in history. But it was led by Fletcher Christian. And he set Bly and his supporters adrift in an overloaded lifeboat. Kind of sent them on their way. And the mutineers aboard the bounty immediately began quarreling about what to do next. Some returned to Tahiti and they kidnapped some women, took some slaves, and then they traveled to an uninhabited island about a thousand miles away. But there the little group unraveled. Drunkenness, disease, and murder took the lives of all of the men except for one, Alexander Smith. He found himself as the only man on the island surrounded by an assortment of women and children. And then the amazing change took place. Smith found the neglected Bible that had been on the ship. And as he read it, he took its message to heart and he began instructing that little community. He taught the colonists the Scriptures. He helped them obey its instructions. And the message of Christ so transformed the lives that 20 years later, in 1808, when the the ship Topaz landed on the island, they found a society of happy Christians living in prosperity and peace, free from crime and disease and murder and mutiny. That Bible now resides in a church on that island as its monument of a transforming message. Do you realize the Bible that we have, the one that you have in your hands, or if you have the Bible app, is full of real living power. Its words are transforming lives all over the world every day. And that's why it's so important for us to be in the Word of God every day. The more we get into God's Word, the more that God's Word gets into us and changes our lives. 
So this church at Thessalonica was a scriptural church. The second thing is probably not as exciting to talk about, but they were a suffering church. Look at verses 14 and 15 of chapter 2. It says, as Paul continues through chapter 2, here's what he writes. He says, For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, which are in Christ Jesus. You suffered from your own people the same things those churches suffered from the Jews, who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove us out. They displease God and are hostile to everyone. So just as the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem were being persecuted by their fellow Jews, the Greek and Roman Christians in Thessalonica were being persecuted by their fellow Romans. The persecution ranged from verbal harassment to hanging to persecution by, by other Jews. They were persecuted for professing their faith in Christ. And Jesus warned His disciples that persecution would come. Because you see, as Christianity spread, there became a tide of resentment and hatred and opposition that arose against Christianity. There were people who aligned themselves with Roman officials in an attempt to completely wipe out Christianity. Under emperors like Nero and Domitian, Christians were hunted, they were killed by the sword, they were thrown to the lions. Some of them were dipped in oil and used as human torches while they were still alive. But here's the, here's the sad part. Persecution is still here today. Today, Christians are the single most persecuted religious group in the world. Worldwide, each month, 322 Christians are killed for their faith. 214 churches and Christian properties are destroyed, and 744 forms of violence, such as beatings, abductions, rapes, and arrests, are committed against Christians. And according to the United States Department of State, Christians in more than 60 countries face persecution from their governments or surrounding neighbors simply because of their belief in Jesus. We're blessed here in the United States. But are we prepared if persecution does come? A few years ago, there was an angry mob of Muslim extremists and they attacked a Bible camp that was in Indonesia. They terrorized a group of teenagers and children, but they dragged one boy, he was a 15-year-old, his name was Roy Ponta, before the mob, and they told this boy, renounce your faith in Jesus or we'll kill you. 15 years old. Terrified and trembling, this boy answered, he said, I am a soldier of Christ. And at that, one of the Islamic terrorists took his sword and swung and went across his stomach where he was holding his Bible and shredded the Bible. And the next swing took off his head. Ended his life. 
But they said the last words that came from his lips was the word Jesus. Now, despite all the violent opposition that's going around in the world, the church is not losing ground in those areas. It's actually growing. Christianity grows in the most hostile environments. And that was what was true, what was going on in Thessalonica. Even in face of persecution, the church was thriving. And I don't... I mean, I, I praise God that we don't face this kind of persecution here right now. But it begs the question, are we willing to suffer for the cause of Christ? Would you go to prison before you quit your church? Would you be burned at, your, at the stake before you burned your Bible? C.S. Lewis once said, you never know how much you really believe anything until its truth or falsehood becomes a matter of life and death. And so regardless of suffering, the Thessalonians remained true to their faith. Which brings us to another mark of a mighty church in, in this second and third chapter, is they were a strong church. Because despite suffering for their faith, the church was a strong church. It was a steadfast church. If you look at verses 4 and 5 of chapter 3, Paul writes, In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted, and it turned out that way, as you well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent out to find find out about your faith, I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. We see here Paul was worried about the Christians there in this town. He was worried that they were going to lose their faith when it went under pressure. So if we go back to verses 2 and 3 of this chapter, he says, We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker and God's servant, in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. Then jog over to start with verse 6. Because he finally concludes, he says, But Timothy has just come now, come to us from you, and has brought good news about your faith and love. He has told us that you have always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Now, I trust that our congregation here at Kersey will never face the kind of persecution that this church in Thessalonian, that the Thessalonian church faced. But Jesus said in John 16.33, He says, Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Another version says, In this world you will have trouble. Are we prepared? I mean, if you look at your life, maybe things are going pretty good right now. Maybe things are going your way. And you're looking at it and say, You know what? Life just couldn't be any better. But you know what? It might be an hour from now. It could be a day from now. It could be a week from now. It could be a month from now. Maybe next year or the year after. The bottom might fall out. And trouble's going to come your way. 
They say that trouble is like home. Either you're there, or you're going to it, or you're coming from it. And sometimes when trouble comes our way, our faith is shaken. That's why Paul sent Timothy to Thessalonica. That's why we have each other. That's why we need to stand firm. That we need to stand together and stand strong. Because a strong church is one that strengthens and encourages each other no matter what we're going through. I remember last week when I gave you a little Peanuts cartoon. I got another one. I guess I'm into the Peanuts cartoons right now. But in that old comic strip, Lucy strolls into the room and she looks at her brother Linus and says, change the TV channel for me. And Linus looks at his sister and says, what makes you think that you can just walk? He says, individually, as a single unit, they're not much. But when they work together and they curl up, they make a force that you can't do anything about. And so Linus sighs at her and asks her, what channel do you want? And then turning away, he looks at his own hands and he says, why can't you guys get organized like that? A mighty church is a church that stands together, that supports one another during life's difficulties, and when trouble comes our way, our faith is not going to be shaken. And so we need to help each other remain strong. We need to help each other remain firm in the Lord. And like I said in the beginning, there are many churches that bear a resemblance to that Hippocrates olive tree. They may be big and they may be, have a noble history, but they're hollow. They're no longer bearing fruit. They're no longer bearing marks of a mighty church. And my prayer is that that is never true of Kersey Community Church. I trust that we will always continue to bloom and that we will follow the steps of this church in Thessalonica and that we will be willing to suffer for Christ and that we will ultimately be proved to be a strong church in God's eyes. So next week, we're going to take up another part of this 1 Thessalonians. Some more marks of a mighty church. But I just want to say thank you for being part of Kersey Community Church. If you're fairly new here, man, welcome. And let's all get more involved and, and strive to be what God wants us to be. But I think we can do a lot by praying for one another, encouraging one another. And when we're going through tough times, we're going to gather together and support one another because we're looking for mighty people that will help us become a mighty church. And I trust that we're all going to be a part of that because there's no limits of what God can do. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this Scripture this morning. That's really a challenge about our faith. And Lord, You know what each one of us are going through. You know what we will be going through. And Lord, I just pray that we can just be strong in the faith, that we can grow each and every day, be in, be in Your Word, grow stronger, 
But Lord, we can be a help to one another and an encouragement. But Lord, I just pray that we can reach out into this community and, and just be a real beacon for this whole community to see. And Lord, I just pray that uh, if there's someone here that's maybe struggling, maybe they're going through some rough times in their life, I just pray that they will realize they're not alone. And Lord, not only are you with them, but Lord, you brought us to be alongside them as well. And so Lord, I just pray even as we, we close off this service with some singing and worship and prayer time, Lord, I just pray that we'll go out of here a lot more mighty than when we came in and that we'll be willing to stand up for you no matter what. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.